Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I had started a series uh, a few weeks back called I Believe um, by direction of the Lord. I had another series that I was planning on coming back to some things on uh, on that Fight Club series that I had ended right in the middle but and called Back in the Fight. But I really had sense from the Holy Spirit that I needed to start a, a message series called I Believe to really start establishing again the foundations of what people believe. And so um, not, for the, not for everybody, but for our church. You know, there's so many things where people are questioning their faith. People are questioning why they're a part of the body of Christ. People are questioning their, their, um, their gender. People are questioning their thoughts. They're questioning their, um, their, their, you know, their beliefs about everything, everything they believe. Where, and then they sit there and they're, they, they're unhinged to anything, which I don't, by the way, we should question things. Amen. I mean, we, we should question what we believe, right? There's nothing like that we shouldn't do. And some things do need to be questioned. But you see the whole thing with deconstruction and things with the breakdown. And, and what I'll tell you where it's leaving people. It's leaving people depressed, discouraged, and really they don't have anything to stand upon. They don't know what they're standing upon. And I really felt like the Lord said, I want you to lay out ten things that we believe, ten things that we believe, and where... It says in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Make disciples. Not just tell them a little story, but make disciples of people. Well, most people I've talked with have said, uh, you know, Jesus wants you to go out and make a disciple. And they say, you don't want me to make a disciple. I don't even, I'm not even sure what I believe. I'm barely getting into heaven myself. So, you know, that's kind of the way they would think. So what I want to do is I want to give you some things, some scriptures, some questions that will help not to make just you a disciple, but to help you make disciples of other people, okay? So what this will do, uh, and, and by the way, the best way to learn is to teach it, right? People say, well, I know this, and I'm like, oh, get up and teach us. Oh, I couldn't teach it. I don't, know, I don't really know that much, right? That's a different story. Well, there's something about being, having to teach something to where you have to learn it. So what we're going to do is we have a series of questions. There's, this is week four. Um, I believe in God's word. The main point that we want to get at today is this, is that our life is sustained by God's word. The, God's word is not just a part of life. It is our life. Let me tell you why this means so much to me personally. Because I remember when I was a teenager and I questioned the existence of God. I didn't, I, you know, I was already, I had already said I'm saved and I believe I had life changed, but something in me, I just questioned if there even was a God, if there even is a God. And I remember asking the question, you know, I'm not into religion, I'm not into church, I'm not into this, I know my family's all been into this, but if, if there is a God, I need to know God myself. And I begin to look up to God, I'd go to the park by myself and I'd say, God, if you're real, and I wouldn't get anything, nothing, nothing. Well, after a couple of weeks, I walked into a place and there was a couple of guys and they were playing guitar into a church. My parents made me go to church and, you know, uh, and, and they were playing guitar and they were singing a song. And in the midst of the song, you know, I had an open heart. I just wanted to know if God was real. In the midst of the song, the presence of God 
made himself real to me. And I remember saying, that's where God's found, in worship. So I started learning how to play guitar. And I'd, I'd take my guitar into my room by myself, and I'd say, God, I just want to know that presence that I felt when I was questioning you, when I didn't know if there was a real God. And so I started learning music, and I started learning, uh, you know, things. And then I got into music, and I was a worship leader for a number of years. But I'll tell you why. It wasn't because it was just some professional gig or something like, what's going to be your career? I didn't even care about that. I didn't even care if anyone was watching. I just wanted to know God. I just wanted to know that God was a real God. But I'd watched that throughout the years of my teenage years and in my 20s years. My life began to be inconsistent. I'd have Holy Spirit experiences presence of God experiences to where I'd go, that's what I want. And it was almost like I need that fix again. Like someone would have a drug, like I need that fix again. And then I'd go, where's that fix? And I'd get back to church and go, I need the Holy Spirit. I need a fix. And you start going to different places to try to get that fix again. And I realized my life was all ups and downs. Now I had the Holy Spirit. I had God living inside of me, but I didn't have stability. Anybody know what I mean? My life was ups, anybody relate to that? My life was ups and downs. I didn't have stability. I didn't have consistency in my life. It wasn't until I realized the consistency of the word of God in my life. It's like physical health that you can say, I want to be healthy. And you say, okay, eat good today and tomorrow and the next day. But, but if, your life's, if you're already really, really unhealthy, it's going to take a lot longer than three days of eating right. You know what I mean? If you're really jacked up spiritually and mentally and emotionally and all those things, it's going to take, I mean, you can sit there and God, you can get a touch of God, but to start walking with God and walking in freedom and walking with consistency, you're going to need to have a regular diet, a regular nutrition and a regular exercise program spiritually, just like you would physically. You're going to need to have it spiritually. And I begin to understand that God's word is something that is not just optional. God's word is life. God's word is what keeps my life consistent and flowing. It's not a crutch. It is my very nutrition for what, because remember who I am and remember who you are. You're not a body. You live in a body. You're not a mind. You process through a mind. You're not an emotion. You process through your emotions. Some people process more mentally. Some people process more feeling. But we are a spirit. That's why when we're born again, the part of us that was born again, it's our spirit. So I needs, my body needs physical food. My body was born out of the earth, right? It, it, is, it's, it gets its nutrition from the earth. And when I die, my body goes back into the earth. My spirit was born, but when it was born again, it was born of the, of the Spirit of God. That's why I was born again. My body was born, then my spirit was born. But what is spiritual nutrition? The spiritual nutrition is the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of God. And so if, you don't have, if you're not healthy spiritually, you don't just need a fix. The Holy Spirit, a touch of God well, you, you know, some people, oh, I love Tuesday nights because we come and we, you know, we'll have some. I love this, but I'll tell you what, I love it all. We need the Spirit of God and we need the, the, the Word of God. And we, we need to get regular nutrition. The best thing you can do for yourself to get yourself spiritually in shape is to open the Bible every day. And before you do, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. 
what you're saying to me out of your word. It's the greatest thing. That's why it's so meaningful. It's probably the, out of all these messages, it's one of the most meaningful because it helped me to get to a place where I was depressed, down, discouraged, void of God's presence on a consistent basis to the place to where I can walk and have some consistency spiritually. And that's what I really want for you. And I can't do it for you, just like you can't do it for me. So we're going to talk about the, the power of God's word. So by the way, so if you're feeling down, if you lack hope, if you're discouraged, depressed, you need some consistency, you have a lot of ups and downs, this is for you. Just press in, take a pen, and jot out some notes, and I'm, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to talk about the power of God's word. I'm going to talk about uh, believing God, uh, confessing God's word, and then acting upon God's word. Okay, so number one, the power of God's word. This is what we're just going to go through, a series of questions and series of questions and where they're found, and I want, this is interactive, not so much that you're going to stand and ask me a question, we're going to go with these questions, but uh, I want you to be able to answer these questions. So the power of God's word. How does the Bible say that the world was created? Well, we all know in the beginning, right, God said, let there be light, and there was light, Genesis 1-3, right? But Hebrews 11-3 says, by faith, do you, know where, do you see where we are on the outline? Okay, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God, not the hands of God, not the, not the feet of God, not the, the, the direction of God, but by the words of God. The worlds were framed by the words of God. Uh, 2 Peter 3, 5 says, for this they willfully forgot that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So all of life, everything that we know that was created were created by words. Everything we know that was created was created by what? By words, okay. In John chapter 1, who was in the beginning with God and what is Jesus called? So John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the beginning was what? So remember, words created everything. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He, notice, calls the words a he. He was in the beginning with God. If you look down in verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh. The word of all the prophecies over the hundreds of years, they were all wrapped into, made was made flesh and dwelt among us. So who was the word of God personified? It was Jesus, right? The word of God personified is Jesus. Um, what are all things upheld by? Well, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three, remember he didn't only say let there be light and there was light and then cause the, you know, the, the sun, the, the light and the darkness to separate and cause the land and the seas to separate. But somehow, thousands of years later, it's still working and maintaining and we still get a sunrise and a sunset and seasons and all that. Who maintains the rotation of the earth? Who maintains all those things? Well, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, um, excuse me, yeah, verse 3, uh, I'm sorry, it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that's Jesus, and upholding all things by the word of his power. I want you to notice that not only did the word of God create everything, but the word of God sustains everything. Let me say it again. Not only did the word of God create everything. So when God speaks to you, not only will it work, but it'll be sustained. In fact, if you try to come up with the plan, not only, you can maybe be able to start it, but can you sustain it? And that's the thing that's important. It's important to get a word from God because a word from God will not only begin something, but a word of God will get you through when everything <laughs> looks down, right? The word of God will sustain it. 
Um, what did Jesus say that man lives by? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not, read it with me, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said, my life, that's why I said the consistency of my life, my life is sustained, it's not just starting, it's sustaining by the words of God. In fact, didn't Jesus say, everything I say, I saw, I heard the Father say it, everything I do, I saw the Father do it. People go, why was Jesus so successful in his ministry? Because he was the Son of God. No, he actually came and did everything he did. He humbled himself as a man and he gave up, right? All those divine, he didn't operate in the divine abilities. He operated as a man, anointed, filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as he walked those things out, he said, I have to see what my Father's doing and say what my father is saying and then those things actually worked. Well, if he was our example, then what should we be doing? We shouldn't be acting alone. We shouldn't be living these hit and miss days. Some things work, some things don't. Let's just try more things and fill up all of our time. No, how about we take time and listen to the Lord and let his word not only lead us but empower us to continue. So that spoke to somebody already. Amen? Okay. So Jesus said, I don't say anything. What did, uh, what did he say man lives by? By every word. Where did all scripture, the Bible, come from? You have a Bible? Where did it come from and what is it for? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, in the, in the Greek, it, mean, it says God breathed. It's, it's, it's uh, theos... Uh, um, uh, the pneuma or something like that. But the pneuma is like the, it's, it's the breathing. It's the God, like pneumonia, you know, we get, it, it's, it's God breathed it out. Well, how, how did we get life? How did we get created? Well, God formed our bodies out of the dirt, but how did we become living beings? He breathed into us. And how did he, what did he do with the word of God? He breathed it out of us. So notice he breathed words that will become into our spirit and keep us alive. So all Scripture was given by inspiration of God, or God breathed. And notice this, and it says that it's, it's profitable. Somebody say the word of God is profitable. See, because sometimes we don't read the word because we don't think, well, what does it profit me? But notice this, it's profitable for doctrine, that's so you'll believe correctly, for reproof, that's so that when you need guardrails or correction, it'll get you on, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that's how to live for God, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete. Somebody say complete. See, sometimes, and, and think about this. I want you to challenge. If you assume you already know this, you won't, you won't challenge yourself on this. Listen, sometimes we think the word of God's not enough. Sometimes we think, well, I have the word, but I need the word and the book. I need the word and the devotional. I need the word and the seminar. I need the word and the talk. I need the word and this. No, listen, if someone is not teaching the word of God, not from the word of God, but teaching the word of God, then you're, you're adding on to something. You need, you need the word of God. He said everything you need is in the word of God. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for these things. He says, that the man of God may be, what? 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped. Uh, that word would mean like kind of accomplished. You know, like in music, um, which is kind of my feel, someone would say they're, a, they're an accomplished musician. In other words, they've studied to the point that people would look at them and say, wow, they're really good, right? That the word of God may be, that the man of God may be accomplished, that the word of God, man of God may be complete. Do you know that you have something in your lap, maybe in your phone, that completes you? It can complete you. It can complete every part of you. Can I tell you, don't waste your time on other things. Don't, well, I don't get anything. Read slower. Because it's not quantity, right? It's not quantity. It's revelation. It's catching what God is saying to you, right? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, notice, for every good work. Everything that God has called you to do He's going to equip you from the word of God to do those things. So what should you be diligent to do? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, follow along with me. It says, be diligent. In the Old King James, it says, um, study to present yourself, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word rightly dividing uh, literally means like you take something and you just cut it in one hit. I'm going to divide that, right? Rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's important to understand and know the word of God so that when questions come up, not only from others, but from yourself. Do you ever have questions for God? Yeah, when those questions come up, you can answer them. And if you can't answer them, where do you go? You go back to the word of God and you find in the word of God. All of your questions should be able to be answered in the word. So that the man of God may be complete. He says, uh, be diligent to present yourself approved to God rightly dividing the word of truth. God's word contains everything we need to sustain life. Everything. Okay, number two, believing God's word. Not only do we have to know that's what the word means, but do you believe it? Do you believe it? Believing is something to where the faith in the Bible is reality. It says in Hebrews 11, faith is a substance of things hoped for. So in other words, believing means you believe so much that you act upon it. You believe so much that you stake your life on it. You believe so much that you make this, like, like this, this is life now. I believe it so much, like I'm going to live life different, right? That's what believing is. So here, how does faith come? Well, uh, he... he you don't pray for it. Can you pray for faith? No. You could pray, God, give me faith all day long. But the Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know that's not just faith in God comes by hearing? Faith in whatever it is. You could sit and hear something else, and eventually you'll have so much faith in that or it or the concept that you'll say, I believe that. Well, why do you believe it? Because you've heard it so much. You've heard it so much. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does a person who is blessed not walk in, stand in or sit in? Well, Psalm chapter 1. I want everybody to look at this. Psalm chapter 1 says blessed. Somebody say blessed. blessed. And you could say blessed or blessed. You know, blessed sounds more spiritual. Blessed is the man, right? But blessed, right? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What is that? It means Finding out what someone who doesn't walk with God says to do. Who walks not in the counsel of a godly, nor stands in the path of sinners. What is that? It's hanging out with people who are practicing sin. 
It says if you stand in the path of sinners, you'll be, if, if you don't do it, you'll be blessed. And if you sit in the seat of the scornful, sit in the seat of the scornful. Uh, by the way, notice he starts walking, then he st- stands, then he sits. <laughs> it won't lead you upward. It won't lead you forward. It'll lead you uh, holding, holding yourself back. Okay, so blessed is that man. But what does the person who is blessed do? Psalm chapter 1 verse 2 says this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. We would say the word of God. And in his law, he meditates. Somebody say meditates. Meditates day and night. Meditates is more of an Eastern type thing, you know. But meditation literally means to mutter, to groan, to ponder, to, to, to think about it, to consider. So like, for instance, if you're saying, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his, you, you even see some people, like when you go over to Israel, you'll see some people and they'll sit there and meditate a scripture and they'll rock back and forth. What are they doing? They're just focusing, getting everything else out of the picture. I'm not saying you, you need to sit here and it, I don't know if it helps or not, okay? But if you do it, that's okay. But, but meditating is pondering it, getting it into your heart, getting it into your thinking, getting it into your consciousness. Notice this. He says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates, meditates, day and night. Notice, he's getting all the junk of the world out, the opinions of man, the the ways of man out, but he's meditating. He's getting the word of God into his consciousness. He says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. He'll be like, here's the result, he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. I want you to notice what he's like. He's like a man that's planted by rivers. When the wind blows, when opposition comes, he's going to stay strong. Notice he brings forth fruit in its season. Every one of you have fruit. You're, You're a tree, if you didn't know it. Do you look like a tree? Yeah. You're a tree and you all have fruit, okay, that's on that tree. And there's a season for your fruit. Sometimes you think, well, where's the fruit? Well, there's seasons for fruit, right? In the season that you need to bear fruit, if you're meditating in the word, if you're getting the word of God down inside of you, in your season, you'll bear fruit. Notice your leaf also shall not wither. What does that mean? You won't get down. You won't get depressed. You won't wear out. You won't get... You won't, you won't start withering. I just feel like I'm breaking down. I'm withering. If you'll keep the word of God in here, he promises that you won't wither. He says, and whatever he does shall prosper. What does that mean? It means that you will win in every area. If you'll do what? If you'll keep the word of God on the inside of you. Okay. What happens when we abide in Jesus and his words abide in us? Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Notice the result is you will ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. Your prayers will be answered. What did Jesus say you need to do to become a disciple? I want to be a disciple. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Well, let's take it the opposite. What if you don't abide in his word? Well, what if you call yourself a Christian, but you don't abide in the word? What are you? You're a Christian, not a disciple. Right? What is a disciple? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a follower of Jesus. Disciplined follower of Jesus, right? Comes from the word discipline. But he said, you are my disciples, which means that we can, we can become disciples. We can walk in as a disciple or not walk in as a disciple day after day. Just choose if you're going to abide in the word of God or not abide in the word of God. What is the result of abiding in the word? He said, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. See, when you abide, when you keep God's word alive inside of you, you'll just know what's true and what's not. And the truth that you know will make you free. 
So what's the result of abiding in the word according to Jesus? That you'll know the truth and the truth will what? It'll set you free. It'll make you free. How can someone walk clean and free? How can someone walk clean and free? Well, the psalmist said in Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? There's been times in my life where I've been in shady situations and I've stopped and said, what does the word of God say? And I've had to pull myself out. I've had to just stop and say, I take heed according to the word and I've had to get up and move forward. Right, And he says in verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want you to notice, he didn't just pray for it. He didn't just say, Lord, I pray for deliverance. I pray for freedom. And I prayed a million times and I'm really not sure why I'm praying. No, he said, I hide your word in my heart. And so when I go to respond, I'm not responding from impulse, flesh, mind, emotion. I'm responding from my spirit, from the word of God that's healthy and being fed. By the way, the Bible says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Feed your spirit. Get a strong. How do you get free from sin? Get a strong and healthy spirit. Build your spirit up and get a strong and healthy spirit and what it will do? It will cause you not to, to walk, in the, walk according to the flesh but walk according to the spirit. You can't do both at the same time. By the way, what does Hebrews say? Are you, are you following me? Are you with me? Okay. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. I want you to get this to the point where you can teach it to someone else. If I said you need to teach it this afternoon to someone else, you can do it, okay? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, what does Hebrews say that the word of God does on the inside of you? Well, it says the word is living and powerful. By the way, this isn't a history book. These are words that are alive. These are spiritual organisms that are living, that are moving. And, and, and when you put it inside of your heart, it begins to, like I said, read you. It does something on the inside. The word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of, of your heart. Have you ever had something come to you and you go, I don't know if it's God or if it's myself? Is that just me? Has that ever happened to anybody in there? Yeah. You've ever said, I don't know if that's God or that's myself. The Bible says that if you'll put the word of God in, in your heart, you'll begin to know what's you and what's, not, and what's God. And by the way, people go, I, I don't know about the word. I just need to hear God's voice. The word is God's voice, right? If you want to know what God is saying, why don't you start with what God said? I said, if you want to know what God's saying, start with what God already said. Get God's word inside of you of what he said. And I'll tell you that as you're reading the Bible, as you're opening up your heart to the word of God, he'll begin speaking. If he needs to custom tailor that to you and speak to you through a verse, he'll do it as he has with me thousands of times. And I'm sure you, he has many, many, many times. So sharper than any two-edged sword, he'll pierce, clarifies what's you and what's God. How do we not become conformed to the world, but be transformed? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, and do not be conformed. The word conformed is like a mole. Like if you were going to uh, make a cake. I remember my mom, she used to have this teddy bear cake when I was a kid. Like this little bitty teddy bear. It was like a, almost like a triangle little cake. And she'd pour like the, the stuff in there. And, and then she'd pull out the cake, right, afterwards. And you'd look at it and you'd see this teddy bear with like white frosting all over him. Not, not frosting with like white powder. I think it was like so the pan wouldn't stick or something. I don't know about flour or something. But anyway, you kind of get what I mean. But I remember looking at that teddy bear cake. And I, when I was a little kid, I'd think, how did she make that? My mom made a teddy bear cake. No, she just threw it into a mold. And by the way, if you're not transforming your mind to the word, you'll be put in the mold of the world. 
That's what it says. Don't be conformed. That's the word conformed. Don't be conformed or jello. You throw jello. Anything like that, you put it in a mold, you become, you look like it. It says don't be conformed to the world, but instead you have to make a decision to be transformed. That word transform is metamorpho. Where do we get the word metamorphosis? It's like from a butterfly to, or from a, a caterpillar into a butterfly. You become transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. It's not by just saying, God, transform my mind. Because some people think they can pray for it. You can't pray for it. You can't say, God changed my thinking. No, he gave you his Bible. He said, you change your thinking. I'll help you do it, but you change your thinking. Why do I keep thinking these thoughts? Because we're conformed, not transformed. So what do we have to do? We have to work daily to transform our mind to the word of God. God's word and a believing heart. We have to have both of them. We have to believe the word. Okay, number three, confessing the word. Somebody say confessing the word. We have to confess the word of God. Um, where did God command Joshua? Remember, Moses was the leader, like the superhero of Israel and led him out of the wilderness. And then all of a sudden he died and Joshua was like, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, man. And he says, you're the new leader. And he's like, oh. And he said, how do I become the new leader? And he told him, be strong and courageous. But then he told him this. He says, um, he says this book of the law shall not depart from your where? Are, are you following me this morning? This book of the law shall not depart from your where? Did he say from your heart? No. Did he say from your eyes? No. He said from your mouth. What does he mean? He means in order to really believe the word, you've got to speak it. Well, I'm not really that kind of person. Well, if you want to overcome, you need to be that kind of person. You have to confess the word. You have to get God's word in your mouth. Somebody say mouth. <laughs> you got to get the word of God in your mouth. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night. How often? Day and night. That you may observe. Notice it changes what you see. The word observe is see. It changes what you see. It changes how you see things. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then, somebody say then. Notice, you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. By the way, did God say then I'll make you prosperous? No, he said then you'll make you prosperous. Notice, God gave you the tools for you to make you prosperous. God didn't, you don't pray, God make me prosperous. He says, okay, meditate the word, then you'll do things the way I want you to do them and you'll walk the way I want you to do them and what'll happen, everything you touch will work and you won't wear out and your leaf won't wither, right? By the way, the same word meditate is the same word that's uh, in, uh, in Psalm. Meditate the word, day and night. Everything you do, he says, will prosper, will prosper. Uh, by the way, when they went into Jericho, you know, he went to go lead them into the, the first city in Jericho, and he told all the children of Israel, don't shout, don't speak, because it's not time to shout, and it's not time to speak. And I think he also didn't want them to go, these are big walls, this is big, this is big. So he told them, be quiet until I tell you to shout, and when you hear me shout, you shout. By the way, there's a time to speak. And there's a time to shout, well, I'm just sharing my opinions. Yeah, that's what God doesn't want you to do. But I'm just, I'm just sharing common sense. Yeah, that's what God doesn't want you to do. Because supernatural puts his super into your natural. It kind of changes common sense. So uh, remember Zacharias with uh, John the Baptist's father where he came to him and he said, his name's gonna be called John. He's like, never person in our life is gonna be called John. He's like, okay, you're mute. You can't talk until his name's John. 
Why? Because I don't want you to talk because you're not going to help out God's plan here. So be quiet. Do you know sometimes if, you don't, if you're not in faith and you don't know what to do, just be quiet until you know what to say. But you got to say, you got to confess God's word and not your thoughts all the time. Your thoughts will mess up the equation. Okay. Confess God's word. What did Jesus do when he went to go overcome the temptations of the devil? By the way, Jesus was tempted. People say, oh, those weren't really temptations. No, they were really temptations of the devil. What did he do? All three times he said these words. It is written. Somebody say it with me. It is written. If Jesus had to quote the word of God, don't you think you and I would have to quote the word of God? Yeah. Well, I don't really need the word. I don't. Well, Jesus needed it. Jesus was the word. And he quoted the word. It is written. What did Jesus, what was Jesus called in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13? Well, it says he was called the word of God. It says he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. What is, what is in Jesus' mouth? Follow along with me. What is in Jesus' mouth? If you could picture it, like someone says you have pepper in your teeth. You have pepper in your teeth. Oh, you have some food in your teeth? What was in Jesus' mouth in Revelation chapter 2? Look at these two verses. It says, it says that these things he says, he who has the sharp two-edged sword. You know what it is? It's words that are coming out of Jesus' mouth, and they're called a sword. And then in verse 16, it says, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Let me ask you, when you look at Jesus' mouth, what's coming out of Jesus' mouth? A sword, right? A sword. Well, which one of the spiritual weapons is called the sword of the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6? Which one of our spiritual weapons? It's the Word of God. So what should be coming out of our mouths? The Word of God. By the way, it's the only offensive weapon that you see there. And by the way, it's not your words. Somebody flipping off the devil, effing devil. You know, that doesn't help. It doesn't help for you to cuss out the devil, Right? What helps is to take the word of God and speak the word of God. It is written. That's what, how you combat the devil, the word of God in your mouth. Sorry for anyone who was offended at that, but I'm going to move forward. Okay. Um, in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, you know this verse because we've, we've, you've heard it a lot. Where are the two places that the word of God is found? I want you to notice the two places the word of God is found. Look at this. It's an open book test. Okay. Romans chapter 10, verse 8, it says, but what do you say? The word is near you. It's in your what? Mouth and in your heart. So what are the two places that the word of God is found? It's not only found, it's not only by what you believe, it's what you speak. It's found in your mouth and in your heart. And then in verse 9 and 10, what are the two things that you need to do in order to receive salvation? In order to be saved, what are the two things? Well, you need to confess with your mouth and what? Believe in your heart. Well, is it enough to believe? No. Is it enough to confess? No. You got to do both. See, because faith is the combination of believing and speaking the Word of God. In any area, in any area, it's believing and speaking the Word of God. You confess with your mouth. And then he says, just in case we didn't catch it, it says, because with the heart we believe unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So where does the word of God need to be? It needs to be in my heart and where else? In my mouth. What are the two things that Jesus said you need to do to see mountains removed? I just pray that you'd move the mountain, Lord. No, he didn't say to do that. That's not, script. That's not the scripture. It's not the word. What did he say to do? He said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, say says, to, to the mountain. See, sometimes you're praying that God had moved the mountain and God says, you move the mountain. 
Whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes. Notice his heart believes. His heart is in a posture of believing. It's kind of like you're setting to shoot something. You've got to get it all set up. You, you're shooting your faith, so to speak. You're getting in your heart believing, but then with your mouth, you're releasing faith out of your mouth. It's you're believing. You're saying to the mountain, be removed, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe. And by the way, death and life are in the power of what, according to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You, you can't just believe the word. You have to speak the word. When you're depressed and discouraged and laying on the couch and feeling like life's all over, my days are washed up, what do you need to do? You need to stop saying all that mess. But it makes me feel better. It, but it's not going to help you. You need to quit calling that friend who's not really a friend. Make this make me feel better. No, no, but they're not helping you. You gotta get God's word in your mouth. What does God say to your situation? You gotta get God's word in your mouth. You gotta get God's word in your mouth. And then uh, last of all is acting on the word. I think it's the most important, acting on the word. Somebody say acting on the word. Yeah, or following through on the word. How does James describe the person who hears the word but doesn't do it? Well, he says, if you're a doer, if you're, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you only hear the word but you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. You're self-deceived. <laughs> he says, because you're like one looking at yourself in a mirror, but you go away and forget what kind of man you were. You see what God says you are, and you walk and start walking according to how everybody else says you are again. What does he say? He says you need to keep your eyes in the word. Don't deceive yourself. What happens to a person who puts God, God's word into practice? Into practice. Um, James 1.25, it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, what is that? It's the word, and continues in it. Notice he's practicing the word and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice, say it with me. This one will be blessed in what he does. Do you see a trend? That if you're not following the word and keeping the word in you, you fail, you wear out, you stumble. If you are keeping the word of God, it's not just the touch of the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Holy Spirit goosebump. It's not just a feeling, right? No, it's getting God's word. It's a trend. You see it over and over. It's getting, getting consistency inside of you. It's spiritual nutrition on the inside. Notice, this one will be blessed in what he does. So what are some benefits? And I'm just going to do these. These are quick fire ones. Um, what are some benefits of walking in the word? Well, look at Psalm 119, verse 88. It says, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. He says, I have more understanding than my teachers. So the word of God gives you wisdom and it gives you understanding. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. What does the word of God give you? Gives you direction. Sometimes we lack direction because we're not in the word. Okay. Uh, Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to, uh, to stumble. What is that? When you have the word of God inside of you, it brings you peace. And it causes your feet to be stable, where you're not falling and tripping all the time. And then Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Notice, for they, my words, are life. Somebody say, life to all their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. The word of God will be life to you. It'll be health to you. Just reading the word of God and getting the word of God on the inside of you will cause you to be healthier spiritually. I remember hearing about uh, the man who a person came to him and was in stage four cancer. She came to him and said, if you don't, if God doesn't heal me, the doctors say I'm going to die. 
And he came to him and said, okay, I'm going to pray for you, but before I do, I want you to make sure that you have faith on the inside, faith inside of your heart. He said, I want you to take a piece of paper, and I want you to write out, by his stripes I'm healed, Isaiah 53. I want you to write it out, and every time you write it, I want you to say it, and I want you to do it 10,000 times. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. He said, I want you to do it, and as soon as you get to that afterwards, come back and pray for me, and then I'll pray for you for healing. Now, I don't know why he said that. I'm not saying it'll work every time. Maybe he was just inspired to be able to, to say that. He said the lady came back to him after just a little period of time, and she said, oh, guess what? She says, I was doing that every time, and I got to about 1,000 times, and there was something that came from the top of my head and zipped through my whole body. I went back to the doctor and verified all cancer's gone. Why? The word of God healed. She didn't, eat, she didn't even get prayed for. The Bible says it's life to those who find them and a health to all of their flesh. How did the early church value the word? Stay with me here. How did the, word, how did the early church, this is a, a book of Acts church, value the word? Well, it says in Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in, I want you to notice, the apostles' doctrine. What is that? The teaching of the word and fellowship Breaking of bread and prayer. By the way, we say it's four things. It's doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. It's not really the way that it was laid out. It really says the apostles, in like the original, it says the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You know what it was? It means our fellowship was not just about, hey, did you go to the ball game on Friday night? Hey, did you go out skiing on such and such day? Hey, did you go? No, it says doctrine and fellowship. True fellowship was around the word of God. He's, that, that's what, because you can get that kind of, you can get fellowship anywhere with Christians, non-Christians, if it was just anything. No, what is it? It's doctrine and fellowship. It's the apostles' doctrine. Like right now, in this particular uh, teaching that we're going over, it's someone taking this and fellowshipping with one another about what's being taught. It's the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. How did the Bereans respond to the preaching of the word. Well, Acts 17, 11, it says they were fair-minded, they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they received the word with all readiness, and they searched the scriptures daily. What did they do? They received the word in their hearts, and they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. See if these things were so. By the way, why I say the early church, because if anyone would turn away from the word of God, it would seem like the early church waited for 50 days and then they received the Holy Spirit and they're like, we have the Holy Spirit now. We don't really need the word. We have the Holy Spirit now. No, notice what they continued in. It didn't say they continued in the upper room. No, it said they went after the very first thing, doctrine and fellowship. They went after the word of God. Now they were filled with the spirit, but they went after the word of God. Doctrine and fellowship. Um, what were the top two priorities of the early church leaders? Well, in Acts 6-4, it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. I don't think it was just them sitting with their scrolls or their Bibles doing that, but notice it was ministering the word of God, ministering the word of God. They said, it's not profitable for us to serve tables, even though tables were really helping those that were in need. But what did they say? We have to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And then last of all here, uh, pay attention to this. What happened when the word of God spread? Well, it says in Acts 6-7, then the word of God spread. What spread, by the way? The word. Of, we need revival. Send your spirit, Lord. Send your spirit. No, here revival broke out when he sent his word. Send the Holy Spirit, Lord. Well, the Holy Spirit filled them, but then they preached the word of God with boldness, and then revival broke out. 
I want you to notice where revival is a result of is ministering the word of God. Look, look at this. It says, then the word of God spread and two things happened. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. What happened? They had revival of people coming and serving Jesus. It says, and great many priests were obedient to the faith. Do you know that not only were disciples made, but I believe the biggest, the greatest miracle we see here was that the priests, many of these men, these were, uh, who were converted, they were bitter enemies of Christ. And what happened? When the word of God was preached with boldness, the priests started coming to the Lord. The people started becoming disciples and the word of God broke out and thousands of people were added to the church. When what happened? When the Holy Spirit came? No, when the word of God was spread. Amen? Amen. Everything. Everything. And by the way, even the Holy Spirit came as a result of the word of God being spoken. As a result of Jesus saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray. The Father sent the Holy Spirit, right? Everything's a result of the, Holy, of, of the Word of God, the Word of God. How many would say that you caught something out of this for your own life? How many would say, I need to press into the Word of God a little bit more in my life? Listen, I want you to do this. The most important thing is this response time. Just take a minute. Open up your heart to the Lord right now. Just you and God. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to my life? I open my heart to you today. I make a fresh commitment. Somebody needs to make a fresh commitment. In fact, let's all do it. I make a fresh commitment to the word of God. Maybe somebody would say, I make a fresh commitment. Don't do it if you don't think you will. But somebody may need to say, I make a fresh commitment to open the Bible and at least read a verse a day. To read something. To get God's word inside of my heart. To listen Maybe it's go back on this YouTube or, or, uh, or video or podcast and re-listen to this. Re-listen to this message again. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I commit to the word of God today. I commit to hear your word. I commit to know your voice. I commit to making the word of God a priority. Believe, confess, and act on. I commit to believe you, to confess your word and to act upon your word because your word works every time. Your word works in every situation. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. So shall your word be that goes forth from your mouth. Isaiah 55 says, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish what you please and prosper in those things for which you sent it. And Lord, I receive your word. Somebody, maybe you haven't heard the Lord for a while. Maybe you've never heard the Lord. You just need to say, God, speak to me. God, I open my ears to hear your voice. You said your sheep hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Thank you.